great to be with you. And uh, today we're looking at the book of Habakkuk. It's one of those smaller books in the Old Testament. And uh, as you've already mentioned, uh, not the easiest to spell. In fact, if you're one for word quizzes or code words of things, then there's not too many words with three Ks in it. But Habakkuk was just your word to use. So um, we're going to just look firstly, this is a key verse from Habakkuk. It's Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2, if we can just uh, uh, pop it up on the screen. And um, it's going to be our key verse today. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Father, we pray now that as we unfold these scriptures together, in this book of Habakkuk, that there'll be things today that really speak into our lives. For every one of us here, Lord, you have a purpose for our life, Lord. And sometimes in the challenges of life itself, we lose sight of that purpose. Maybe sense that renewing work of your Holy Spirit today. Renew in us, we pray, that sense of your unfolding purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, this verse has a particular relevance today, as you'll have seen with all our newspapers, because, uh, in fact, what it speaks of is of um, where there's been past situations of fame which can be a real sense of hope for current situations that we chat, we face. Now, some of you, I can remember growing up, in fact, some of you may remember as well, there was a famous day back in the 1960s when a certain football team won the World Cup. And you might take these words of Habakkuk today and say, Lord, uh, England, we've heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your victory. Do it again in our day and in our time. And... Uh, but there's a sense in which often in our lives, it's the recalling and remembering of what God has done in the past that could be a real source of encouragement to us today. When everything may seem bleak, we can't see a way through, and yet we remember God's awesome deeds. And we pray, Lord, renew it in our day. And um, one of the kind of prophetic words we felt stirring for this year has been this word renewal that we're not just looking as we come out of pandemic for recovery, but of real renewal, renewed vision, and renewed sense of God's purpose for our lives, his unfolding purposes among us. And Habakkuk gives us some great insights into that. It's one of those short books. It's just three chapters long. You can easily miss it in the Old Testament, and yet has an amazing message of relevance for us today. In fact, it was written, um, well, it's over 600 years before Jesus was born. It was a time when Habakkuk was a prophet in Judah. And Judah was going through some challenging times. In fact, the people had turned their backs on God. They were worshipping idols. Even the king himself, Jehoiakim, was an evil king. And there seemed little to be able to rejoice in all that was happening in the nation. In fact, for Habakkuk, he begins to feel stirred and almost grapples with God about these questions of what's happening. Now, normally in the Old Testament, you'll find the prophet was receiving a message from God that he was then to be delivering to the people. Whereas this is the opposite way round. This is where Habakkuk is speaking a message to God, questions he has, concerns he has, confusion he's facing about God's people. And these are the questions. In fact, the book of Habakkuk, over these three chapters, is divided into kind of three sections. The first two of them are questions that Habakkuk asks of God. And they're real questions he's struggling with. Why, oh God, why is this happening? And then the third section is this amazing time where Habakkuk just prays his amazing prayer of praise. He hasn't yet seen the answer to his prayers, but he's trusting God, the God who's done those awesome deeds in the past, to do them again. 
So these were the questions that Habakkuk was facing. The first he was grappling with is that the people of God had turned their, the people had turned their backs on God. They were just worshipping idols. And yet they seemed to be getting away with it. Nothing was happening. So he's crying out to God, oh God, why are, these, why are you leaving these people unpunished? Why, Lord, aren't you judging them for all that's happening? Why does it just seem as if they can just live their own way of life and just neglect you and yet you're not doing anything about it? Uh, sometimes it's important in life for us to ask questions of God when we're struggling with, why is this happening? Maybe unanswered prayer, situations of injustice in our world. And what is it to be able to ask God those questions? It depends on the attitude which we ask them. If it's a cynical disbelief, that will often undermine our faith. But often it can be that place where we, we genuinely believe God is a just God. He is a good God. He's a gracious God. So we can't understand why these things happen. We're, we're crying out to God. So God then answers his first question. But the trouble was with his answer to his first question, it made it more confused than anything else. So what God says is, Habakkuk, I'm going to judge these people. In fact, they will be punished for their disobedience. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bring Babylon, and Babylon will conquer these people. And in fact, they will feel the punishment for all they've been doing. But when Habakkuk hears this, that's even more confusing because Babylon was more evil than Judah. So what's happening, God? I mean, if this is the answer to my question, it seems even more confusing than the original thing I was asking. And sometimes in life, you know, it, it can seem really difficult when we, we pray a prayer. Uh, and what seems to be the answer, in fact, is more confusing than the original thing we're praying for. Or, or where somehow it turns out worse than what we expected. And I think I thought I was praying for this. And do you have that sometimes where you really struggle? And, and here's Habakkuk saying, but God, well, wait a minute. I'm confused with what's happening. I suppose we've all known times when we've prayed for things and it hasn't quite worked out like we expected. And in fact, if anything, it's worse than we'd expected. Pam and I, over the years, we've prayed for lots of different folk, uh, and particularly folk in our own family, in our wider family, where you, you long to see them come to know Jesus. And... Uh, Particularly, even our, 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 our own, it's been wonderful to see God at work in our own immediate family, but also our wider family. And we, Pam has a cousin who she had a real heart for. And many years ago, when we first planted out here from Highgrove, we took a group of people who lived more in the Henleys area and we planted into Henleys. Um, in fact, we used the Henleys school. It was just a junior school. I can still remember how high the chairs were sitting on them on Sunday morning. And, and, and Pam, because her, her cousin lived not too far away, she invited her and she came to the first meeting of that church plant, I can remember. And we were so excited. We'd been praying for her for years. And here was a cousin actually sat there in church. But it didn't happen for too long. After a few weeks, in fact, she'd, she dropped out and we... Well, we obviously kept in touch with her, but nothing as far as church. And we kept praying. And then some years later, and what happened with that church plant, we met in Henley's. Eventually, you remember, we bought the old Westbury community um, rooms, it were. And that became what we then called Henley's and Westbury Community Church, because on the border of them. And uh, we're still praying for, for Pam's cousin. And in fact, we eventually moved from there to the Greenway Centre. And then it became, rather than being um, Southmead, Henley's, Westbury Community Church, we just called it Community Church. Um, but when we began meeting there, who should come along but Pam's cousin, this time invited by our daughter Emma. And it was wonderful over those next weeks to see her come to faith in Jesus after all those years. 
And then to see her husband come to faith. See both of them. And then her son, who really was miles away from God, to see him come to faith. And, and so we were praying through his family. But then the son had a son. That was the grandson of our, uh, of our, our cousin. And uh, we were really particularly praying for him. He was going through a difficult time at school at the time and uh, really struggling. And he got into some bad company and some bad habits and eventually got into drugs and things. I remember us crying out to God. He's so much on our hearts. And, but it just got worse. And eventually the worst thing of all, he ends up in prison. And we think, goodness, if this is the way of answering those prayers. But we, we still held on. And eventually when he came out of prison, um, we managed to arrange, because he was still uh, struggling with drugs, to, to, for him to go to a Christian rehab center up in the Midlands. And uh, we were really excited. It was a real hard job getting him there. But we eventually got him there to the Midlands. And uh, he was there. But he was only there for a few weeks. And uh, he, he just couldn't take it. It was all too intense for him. And so he dropped out. And, and he got worse then than he'd ever been. And we were struggling, crying out to God in that sense of confusion, all was happening. And then, just a few weeks ago, I went to speak at a church the other side of Bristol. And as I got to the church with all the COVID restrictions of your mask on and just elbowing and saying hello, but who should come in? To my utter amazement, but the grandson, my cousin. And I looked and said, wow, what are you doing here? He said, oh, it's a long story. He said, but... but we were all starting, so he sat down. I thought, I can't wait to ask him afterwards. And, and the person who was leaving the service, he, he gave an invitation and said, if there's anybody, maybe this week, anything happening in your life, you'd like to tell a story. And to my utter amazement, the first person to stand up was the grandson of my cousin. He walks to the front. I could tell something really has happened. And he stands up and he tells his story of how he's come to know Jesus. And, and just to hear the, the way the Holy Spirit would work in him over all those years in different ways. But then what's even more amazing, that week he'd been out witnessing uh, with someone else he'd met who was a Christian. And he'd met a homeless person down in the center of the town. He tells a story of how they were both in tears as he saw in this person someone identical to what he'd been going through. And he leads him to the Lord. I'm thinking, wow. All those years of where sometimes you're struggling to sense well, what, what, what's happening, Lord. It seems to be getting worse. And so for Habakkuk, he's asking these questions of God, and yet in the midst of it all, God is stirring him to trust him, even though he yet can't see the way through, he can't see the answers. And then in the third part of this lovely book comes these amazing words, which we read together earlier. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. And for Habakkuk it would have been looking back, of course, those amazing deeds of God, whether it was the crossing of the Red Sea, where it was those amazing miracles in Egypt, but he'd heard of them. They were part of his growing up, etc. And he stood in awe of them. But Lord, do it today, Lord. Do it today. You know, when I became a Christian, I wasn't from a Christian home, and um, but uh, I quickly heard stories because home for me was Wales and uh, there was an amazing revival in Wales back in 1904. When I became a Christian, I told you how many years ago, there were a lot of people still alive who were there in the revival or heard about it, etc. So when we'd have prayer times together, and this is all new to me, uh, and I was just used to sometimes saying at school the Lord's Prayer, but someone would stand up, they'd pray, but with such a passion. And they would tell of some of the stories of those early days in the Welsh revival, and then their heart cry would be, oh God, do it again today. And telling those stories of the Welsh revival stirred a lot in me about revival. 
those times where they'd meet together for prayer. There was up at, at Lucker in the, in the valleys that were the Welsh valleys and these sort of coal mining community. And uh, uh, often they would meet for prayer. In fact, they had prayer meetings every night, in fact, and, and not just for an hour. They sometimes would go on to midnight in the early hours of the morning and they'd be crying out to God for their family, for their brothers, for their sisters, for their fathers, etc., who were not yet Christians. Some of them, actually, as they were praying, were on shifts in the mine. And they tell the stories how they came off shift. These were godless men who had nothing to do God, only ever blasphemed the name of God. He said, as they're walking down the road, he said, and they're, they're in the chapel praying, the light's still on the chapel, and they're praying for them. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit would come upon them. These miners still with their helmets on, their black faces all of a sudden. And he said, they'd fall down on their knees, he said. And they'd be crying out to God for mercy, and the tears would be flooding down. It was like streams, white streams down their black, sooted faces, as it were, crying out to God for mercy. And think, well, how did it happen? This was just God's sovereign work of grace. Whole communities, whole villages, hundreds of them, thousands of them, right the way across Wales, eventually across the whole of this land and touched the world. The old newspaper, I remember, I used to deliver them, was called the Western Mail, and the Western Mail caught all the story early days, and they were telling some of the numbers. This village, 100 people. This village, 200 people. This village, 300 people. It was just a move of God. And something stood in me in those days, so still today, I pray every day for revival. It's not something we can organize. We'll plan a revival meeting next. It's a sovereign work of God. And yet, oh Lord, I, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Those mighty deeds of God. Lord, Lord, renew it in our day, in our time, make it known. That cry to God in the light of that memory of what God has done to believe he's still able to do that today. Now, the amazing thing and even the challenging thing with Habakkuk is that by the time we get to the third and final chapter where we have this amazing prayer of praise, it's a prayer of praise to God in the light of what he has done, he's crying out, but we don't actually see the answer to that prayer. Unlike ones like Job where Job goes through such testing times, such really difficult times where he loses everything. And you think, could it ever get worse? But by the end of the story, of course, God renews things for Job. And in fact, he is better off at the end than he was at the beginning. And you think, oh, well, that's a wonderful story. Sometimes in Scripture, you don't have it quite like that. So in Hebrews, when it gives those great lists of the people, of men and women of faith, and the great deeds they, do, they saw God do in answer to their prayers, but he says, but many of them died, still not yet having seen the answer to their prayers. And that challenge sometimes, well, what's God doing in that? You see, this week, I've been praying for a friend, a dear friend, who over these recent years had a rough time at work, a time where he felt really overlooked, misunderstood at times. There was even one time there was a, a job promotion, he applied for it, etc. was really hopeful, but he didn't get shortlisted. And those jobs didn't come up very often, so he thought he'd almost missed his opportunity for life, you know. And, but then just recently, a job came up again in work, and it was such a, an ideal job for him and so suited for it, and so he had applied for it. And we prayed every day for I can remember praying and uh, uh, almost being in touch every day. And then, in a rock way, he got an interview. The interview was last Tuesday. Uh, and praying every day, in fact, helping him, practicing for his interview and the question he'd answer, et cetera. And by the time he got to his interview, and I, I couldn't wait to hear how the interview went really well, really good, et cetera, et cetera. And he'd be here in the next few days. And then, just a day or two ago, he called to say, Rob, I, I'm so sad. He said, I, I didn't get the job. I don't understand. He said, why, why would God even let me have the interview? Why would, why would all this happen? Why, why, why would I get this far? Why, why, I feel confused and frustrated by it all. I've got no easy answers to that. And sometimes in Scripture, these times where, like in Hebrews, it says, you know, they, they died still believing. 
And then it goes on to say, but God had something prepared far better for them. Now, at the end of my little note to my friend this week, just replying, and, and, and again, feeling the sadness of it all and sharing in that sadness and, and yet saying at the end, you know, somehow I believe that God can sometimes take away what seems so good to give us the best. Even though we may not yet see it, we don't understand. So, so for Habakkuk, you have this section at the end where it says he's waiting patiently for God. And yet, even as he prays, he says, but for the fig tree, there's no buds. There's nothing there showing. and There's no grapes yet on the vine. And the olive tree, there's no olives. There's nothing, no signs, no symbols, no sense in which he could see. Ah, but it's... And yet, he's trusting God. What is it to still trust God when you can't yet visibly see the answers to those prayers or even the potential, not even a bud yet on the tree? What is it to hold on to God, to trust him in those times? And one of the things that does sustain us is that sense of where we hold those memories of what God has done and trust him, believing, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time, make them known. And that, those amazing deeds of God, even like in that Welsh revival, is not just those special events, but a deep, fresh hunger for God, an inner renewing of the Holy Spirit. One of the words we felt at the beginning of this year, that prophetic about renewal, was that daily inner renewing of the Holy Spirit. What is it just to hold on? The sense that inner renewing, we yet can't see the grapes on the vine. We can't yet see the fig on the fig tree. There's no outer signs. No it's easy to begin to hope when you say, oh, it's all beginning to come right now. But when we can't yet see that, what is it to trust God? That's my prayer today that somehow, even with pandemic and all that's been happening, it's not just to recover for it, but that renewing, that renewed vision, that renewed sense of God's purpose for our lives. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Just as we remember, we've heard, Lord, of those times where you, in sovereign grace you've poured out of your Spirit in such awesome ways. Oh, God, renew them in our day, in our time, make them known. And, Lord, help us to patiently wait, to hold on, just as Habakkuk ends that amazing book with this great prayer of praise, trusting you, even though we can't yet see the answers. For some of us here today, Lord, where we're struggling with unanswered prayer, we've got real questions about injustice around us. Lord, where we feel as if somehow something that seems so good has been taken from us. Help us to believe today that you can take away the good to give us the best. Help us to trust you, Lord, for those awesome deeds of God. Come, come, Holy Spirit. Renew in us that sense of vision, that sense of your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name.